Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello and welcome to Fat Mascara. There you are, Jessica Matlin, making a very funny face at me. Because What's going I, on? I don't know. I feel like our tech is not like it's not ideal right now. I okay. Let's get in yeah, tech mode. Ready? Yeah. Go. No, I, just, I don't know. I need a home studio, like a really nice one. Can somebody sponsor us and like <laughs> redo our houses and put home studios in? Because it seems like we're not going to be going to the ACAST studio anytime no, soon. No, <laughs> no, I can't believe it's it's the end of the summer and here we are still remote, but still going. And I, I feel like we've had a really good summer, all things considered, at least in, in Fat Mascara world. Fat, Mas- Fat Mascara world. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I am so excited that we got to connect with everybody even more. They have more listeners on the show, like hearing their voices, mm-hmm. great guests twice a week. And I'm loving all of the nice mo- notes and voice memos and emails you guys have been sending. So we do notice, we do read them. Um, and I, I feel like we've gotten closer. 
I really do too. And I know you guys are sick of us complaining about summer. So the good news is- It's over. We are entering the next season. And for that reason, actually, we meant to tell you last week, but here we are. We decided this week to do like a little refresh to recenter ourselves. So we don't have new interviews or new content this week other than our introductions and raise a wands at the end of both the Tuesday and Thursday episode. So we're just giving ourselves a breather to like get in place for our fall season with all of our new guests and lots of fun stuff. So we're rerunning two episodes. So today, Jess got to pick yeah, we, we each, we each we got run. to pick like an oldie but a goodie. And we didn't tell each other what we were picking, but... We, Today, we, like, showed our hands. So <laughs> I picked Dr. Andrew Giacono, author of The Park Avenue Face. This was from last April, I believe. Yes, April 2019. Feels like a million years ago. Um, I loved this conversation so much. I think, I believe he was the first plastic surgeon we ever had. And the reason why I brought him in, I remember I was so excited. As soon as I met him at Harper's Bazaar, I'd never met him before um, he came into Harper's Bazaar to promote his book. As soon as he left, I remember texting Jim, being like, we have to have this guy on. We have an open plan, or we had an open plan environment at Bazaar. I was like screaming inappropriately with laughter when he came to (laughs) the office. I will not repeat some of the things he said, but he gave me really good dirt on like, you know, or like, like some kind of like, read between the lines kind of jokes about, you know, celebrities, what people do to their (gasps) faces. He just had like a really kind of, um, just like a, like a no filter, but kind of also this great discretion about the way he spoke too. I just feel like this was like, this is the kind of guy you want to be seated next to at a dinner, but he also had amazing real world advice about plastic surgery. I felt like he, was very actually conservative about filler, very conservative about plastic surgery. He talked about why plastic surgery is like dating, which you have to listen if you want to know why. He also um, was really into um, subtlety. He thinks a lot of people look very overdone. He talked about how people look like Snapchat filters. And even if you, for plastic surgery is is never, you, you might be thinking, listen, you know, Jessica, Jen, I'm not getting plastic surgery. I don't have tens of thousands of dollars to throw around. Why do I need to listen to somebody who has a book called The Park Avenue Face? That is not my lifestyle. He's just really engaging to listen to, and he has great perspective about the culture that we live in, which is so much about looks, looks, looks. So just give it a listen. I think he's a wonderful, charming guy, and also he's a wonderful guy, too. He does a lot of charity work. So hang on, buckle up, and hang out with Dr. Giacono. And then meet us afterwards, and we'll raise a wand. All right, can you believe that we've never had a plastic surgeon on Fat Mascara? I mean, that is crazy. I can't believe it, and I, I am a co-host of Fat I know, Mascara. it's like 150 plus episodes. We've never had a surgeon, but we decided to go straight to the top for our first one. We have Dr. Andrew Ciccono, MD.FACS, right? That's... That's my title. Yeah, I, I just just looked at the book. Uh, <laughs> and you're a New York City board-certified plastic surgeon, and I mentioned the book. You also are the author of one of my favorite beauty books ever, The Park Avenue Face, which just came, which just came out this month. Yeah, what? just actually yesterday. Ah, it congrats. Just, we just launched it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's a, big, it's a big day. It's a big week. Well, okay, so we've had a lot of derms on the show. Sure. And we've never had, as I mentioned, a plastic surgeon. So outside of like a hideous disaster, 
where, if someone's concerned about their facial appearance, sure. when should they see a plastic surgeon as opposed to a dermatologist? Well, I mean, I think you. the truth is, is that plastic surgery, I think lots of times begins where dermatology ends. Mm. <laughs> you know, because dermatologists do a fantastic job. You know, they do a lot of techniques and treatments to enhance your face. Yeah. You know, they do things for your skin. They can do laser resurfacing. They do facial tightening devices. Um, they do injectable treatments. They do Botox and fillers. They can keep us looking great for a long time. Uh, plastic surgeons do those treatments, but I think that plastic surgeons who are well-trained and dermatologists who are well-trained both do a great job at those things. But the problem is, obviously, is that there's certain things you can't do with just a needle or a non-surgical treatment. Um, well, obviously, some of those things... The dermatologist would never see things like a rhinoplasty, mm -hmm. or if somebody has you know a small weak chin, you know if you have bags under your eyes, there's only so much you can do with injectable treatments. So there are reasons why people seek out plastic surgery. But as we get older, and this is a lot of what my, what my book is about, is to educate people not just about the non-surgical treatments that both plastic surgeons and dermatologists do, but how do you make sure that you're doing the right things for yourself, not mm -hmm. overdoing it. And when do you really start thinking about doing something that's a little bit more aggressive? So you mentioned like, you know, when you start doing things that are more aggressive. Sure. I think a lot of people, you know, even some of our listeners, and we have we have a wide age range of listeners, but maybe think plastic surgery, mm, this is this is not for me. This is like for much later in life where this is... If they don't want like a nose job or something, but they're thinking about like rejuvenation. Yeah. You know? Or they yeah. might think plastic surgery like, you know, is a little bit dated reference, but like Joan Rivers, you know what I mean? It's well, so... Well, who, who would want aggro. that, right? You yeah, know, I mean, Joan Rivers did. Yeah. I mean, what everybody, it's what invokes fear. You so, know, plastic surgery is synonymous with, you know, your least favorite looking celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. You know, you know you, everybody can think of a time when they watched like the Oscars or, or an award show where a celebrity came out looking like they had done something. They yeah. didn't look like themselves anymore or they look very sculpted, artificial, tight. Or their face just looks distorted and mm -hmm. it's scary. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book because, you know, the book is called The Park Avenue Face and it's like, why, what's the Park Avenue Face? Oh, you could just interview yeah. yourself here. Yeah. I like this. What is the <laughs> Park Avenue train. Face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I thought a lot about this book and his reasons why I wrote it. But the thing is, is that everybody, the reason, the number one reason why I wrote this book mm -hmm. is for the reason we were just discussing. Because people say to themselves, you know, maybe I'm looking to do something to enhance my appearance. But if all those celebrities, you know, all those people from Hollywood, people with money and access who can get the best care don't look normal, mm. me as an average person out there, what chance do I have? So why would I go about even going on this journey? Because I don't want to look weird. I want to look like logical. myself. I want to look I want to enhance my appearance, but I don't want to trade enhancing my appearance for looking like a plastic surgery victim. So the Park Avenue face is something that I deal with all the time, not because I practice on Park Avenue, but because my clients, especially those from New York, they prefer a different aesthetic. And what I mean is, is that they want to look like themselves. They want to look like themselves, but a better version. So that's so is that what the Park Avenue face is? It kind of is, yeah. Okay. Because what I call, I see this dichotomy. I see what I call the East Coast aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And the East Coast aesthetic is somebody who wants to maintain their personal signature. They want people to see them and not say, what happened? They want somebody to look at them and say, oh my God, you look amazing. What are you doing? You know, did you change your hair? 
your skincare regimen must be better. You lost weight. You're exercising. Your life is good. You look vibrant. Mm. That's the Park Avenue face. That is the East Coast aesthetic. The West Coast aesthetic is the you know overfilled cheeks. It's the overly scooped out nose. These are fighting words. They are. <laughs> There's like but, a gang of East Coast surgeons <laughs> and West Coast surgeons. No, but here's the thing. There are people on the West Coast surgeons who do East Coast work, but... It's synonymous with the West Coast because we see, you know, many celebrities on Instagram. We see, you know, B-list celebrities. We see A-list celebrities and they're in our face. They're in our media mm. and that's what makes people afraid. So unfortunately, the West Coast aesthetic, whether it's created by doctors or requested by those people from the West Coast, is the thing that people want to avoid. Right, so it's not that our, our our West Coast listeners want to look bad. It's more this like this Hollywood overdone kind of aesthetic. It, yeah, it, it is. It's an aesthetic. And you, when you go to L.A., I mean, anybody's been to L.A. I'm sure you guys have been to L.A. Mm-hmm. You kind of walk the streets and you, you walk around and like people start to look like they're related <laughs> <laughs> because they have the same overinflated cheeks. Their lips look the same. Their nose looks the same. Everything looks the same, same, same. So mm-hmm. I think there's an archetype mm-hmm. that may be considered to be attractive in, in some fashion. Um, obviously it is because people get a lot of attention for looking that way. Yeah. So there are a lot of Instagram models who get, you know, they have tens of millions of followers and bazillions of likes and they have brands and all this stuff, but they kind of all look like each other. They do, don't they? They kind of do because if you can build that face and that body, then you get more attention from people. So it's something that some people aspire to, but my Park Avenue patients don't aspire to that look. Mm-hmm. So what I do in this book is I define this aesthetic. And again, I want to be very clear is that I have plenty of my colleagues who I respect on the West Coast who do quote unquote East Coast work. Right. So it's not that doctors only in New York or on Park Avenue can create the East Coast aesthetic. It's that you have to be very clear what you want and you will need to make sure you seek out doctors who can create that kind of outcome for you. So what I do in the book is, is I go throughout the whole face whether it be your skin, whether it be non-surgical treatments, whether it be rejuvenating your eyes, you know, your face, your nose, whatever it is. And I talk about East Coast approaches. So all the things that create more of a normal look, even though it can be surgical, there are techniques and approaches that are more subdued. And then there are ones that are a little bit more West Coasty, let's mm-hmm. call it. So if you're a West Coasty, you can use this book to try to figure out the West Coasty kind of procedures and seek them out. But what I do is I let the reader know because it's hard to know this as a person. Yeah, we were going to ask you this later, but I think now is a good time. Say you are considering plastic surgery, and we'll get into when you should be or why you might be. Like, where's the first place you go other than reading your book? Like, sure. where do you even start? That's the problem because there's so much information out there, right? So what people do is, is that, you know, we all think we're like super researchers. <laughs> Jen was literally just talking about yeah. that. The internet made uh, us all think we're experts on everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because all I need is my, you know, all I need is Google and like, you Yeah, know, I'm basically uh, a plastic surgeon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All I need is my Google machine. <laughs> I need a good, you know, wait, 10 to 12 wait. hours of research and I'll be able to figure out the truth. You can do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> DIY. <laughs> DIY oh, plastic surgeon. But what winds up happening is, is that there's lots of conf- conflicting messages out there. So unfortunately, you can get a lot of information, but depending upon the source, you may be getting a mixed messages. So that's why I wrote this book because I have so many patients who come in with all those mixed messages and they're trying to figure out which end is up. But obviously, save that, you kind of have to be a, a private investigator. What do people yeah. want you to do, just to piggyback off your question, off, off what you just said, do people ever come in your office and they say like, I want this or I'm sure that I don't need this? Like, What, yeah. what are people telling you that you have to kind of back them off the ledge? 
Well, yeah. I mean, people have their own preconceived notions, and that's when you have to educate them. And that's where, you know, that's why I spend a lot of time studying and doing what I do. So some people come in and they say, oh, I want a lip lift, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just for example. And then they start to tell you what they want to achieve. And you're like, no, you don't want a lip lift. You don't want surgery at all. This would be a much better option for you. So people think that they figured it all out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to re-educate them. And sometimes you have to save people from themselves. (laughs) Because unfortunately, you know, our industry, since it's, it's elective, there's no perfect diagnosis, right? So if you have, you know, if you have a gallbladder that needs to come out, it's pretty obvious. They do a scan, the gallbladder is not good, you got to take it out. With us, sometimes doctors are more ready to just execute what people want, even if they're not necessarily a good candidate mm-hmm. because you- the patient requests it. So, you know, I talk more people out of surgery some days than discuss a surgical possibility for them. Wow. Because the fact that I realize where it's going. And once you educate people, people are smart. Once you give them the information, explain to them what this will do, how it may not work with their face. It doesn't work with their face because it's not balanced. It'll exaggerate their features or maybe it's just not the right approach. And then you give them options. You know, there are non-surgical options. There are invasive options. Some things do this, some things do that. Once you show people pictures of it, this is what I do. I show you pictures of this procedure, what it does, what that procedure, what it does, this non-surgical thing. And then when you put that in front of people and you use some digital morphing of their own pictures, they kind of come around. They go, yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't like that. I like this better. And then you can really help them achieve their goals. And it's always best to do it in the least invasive way. And do you want people to go around? And we always say like, oh, get a second opinion. Do your research. Like at what point is too many opinions, too many opinions? Because say they come to you, then they go to another doctor, another, and all of a sudden they're like, I I don't know. I think you need to do that. because You do? Absolutely. How many? Yeah. I mean, ideally, I think that you should have four quality consults. Four? Yeah, four. Do you pay for a consultation? In my office, you do. Some doctors do them for... What I do is is I charge people a consultation fee, but if they do go ahead with any treatment, whether it's not surgical, surgical, it's applied towards (laughs) Redeemable in products, (laughs) right? Whatever. Just so that the patient doesn't feel like they're losing something for the cost of the procedure, the cost of the consultation. But, you know, some doctors do non... You know, they don't charge for consults. But the reason why is, is that it's sort of like dating, (laughs) Uh It's not just about getting the right information. You have to have chemistry with your surgeon because you're really starting a a partnership. That's interesting. Well, it's true because you need to really trust that individual, not just their skill and their ability, but when you have questions and you're stressed, if you had a procedure, you need to feel comfortable enough to voice your opinions and feel like you can actually you know, go to that person and be able to get answers that you need. So if you're in the office and you're talking to them and they're giving you like, you're getting a bad vibe, is it okay to yeah. say no? Yeah, it, absolutely. So in my in the book, I do go over a chapter where how it's best to select a plastic surgeon. And that's one of the things I say is, and this is one of the big like subheadings within that chapter is to trust your gut. Because I think all of us have had experience in our life that have nothing to do with plastic surgery where we wanted to go in one direction, but something inside of us said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of did it anyway because we just oh. wanted so much to do it. Haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is that afterwards, in hindsight, we go, you know what? I knew this wasn't going to be the right thing. I, I just had a sense about it, but I didn't listen. Yeah. To, to oh my, my gosh. I'm getting yeah. chills. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. I, so, but that is definitely one of the key things that I think that people need to do. Do your research, get gather your information, but you really need to have a certain amount of resonance with somebody. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you talk about in your book that I just think is so interesting is something called filler fatigue. 
Mm-hmm. What is filler fatigue? Yeah. So, oh, it just I got know, serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. It it's time to talk about yeah. filler it fatigue. It took like a half a gallon of water. So, yeah. It's come to this. Yeah, it kind of has. So, the story is this. Um, as we get older, I think everybody's experienced this. Um, you know, we don't want to do anything that's major, but there's all these great little needles that are, can help us look better. Um, and common places for people to get fillers, you know, for hollows and shadows under their eyes, our cheeks get a little deflated. We get so sort of smile lines, marionette lines are often called. That's a great name, huh? Um, <laughs> I want that. Yeah. How about the doctor term, nasolabial folds? It's like, what? I <laughs> nasal <laughs> But, you know, we get grooves, folds, and as things start to loosen, we get these kind of concavities and shadows in our face that are very harsh with lighting. We try to camouflage them with makeup. But when we start to progress, unfortunately, usually it starts somewhere in your mid to late 30s and it just gets Mm -hmm. worse after that. It happens to everybody. People start doing fillers. And fillers are great because what they do is, is it's kind of like spackle. So you got some cracks, you got some dents, you spackle them closed where you put the filler in there and it smooths things out and it looks really great. But the problem is, is as we continue to age, we require more and more filler to get the same bang for our buck. So you go and you get a little filler when you're a little bit younger, it really pays dividends. But as you continue to age, the same amount of filler doesn't really get you what you want. And then as you start to add more and more filler, two things happen. One is, is that your face starts to look bigger. (laughs) So a lot of filler in a face, it starts to make your face look round, wide, and it starts to distort your appearance. You know, I always let, you know, I kind of say this, and I shouldn't say this, but I will anyway because I know you guys will enjoy it. Um, <laughs> when people have too much, f- you know, filler in their face, they start to look like you know the Real House of wa- Real Housewives of wherever. You know, these women <laughs> right, a lot right. of the times on these TV shows, they have that kind of look where they haven't had plastic surgery, but they just look weird. And Over- they all say they haven't had work done on the reunion show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that you start adding more and more, and then you start to lose a lot of your facial identity and characteristics. The face looks just asymmetric in a weird way, even though things aren't falling, things are inflated. But the problem with that is, is that not only don't you look great, you kind of look like somebody who's older trying to look younger. Mm. And that happened, you know, and I'll dare go out there in a line, but, you know, people like Lindsay Lohan, who probably engaged, you know, fillers at a very young age, was looking much older than her years, even in her 20s. So do you think that it's um, to start younger? I mean, I won't even talk about the preventative Botox thing right now. because I love preventative Botox. I think it's fantastic. I think it works wonderfully. Okay, yeah. but for fillers, yeah. um, no, th- thank you, because we do get a lot of differing opinions on that. But um, for fillers if you start early like let's say like you know I'm um, Lindsay allegedly may have or someone yeah. like her younger is it something that when you're older you've kind of like the opposite of preventative you kind of like messed up your face a bit well it does because if you well, this is the thing if fillers are done when 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 it's necessary because you can be young and require fillers because some people, their faces kind of, they sag a little prematurely or mm-hmm. they get a little hollowed and out a little bit early. So using filler when diagnosed correctly, I don't think is a problem. The problem is, is when you start to add too much, you stretch the tissues out. So this is this thing in the body, it's called biologic creep. It sounds kind of weird. God. Yeah. So it's, it's like, not. What horror, else we have to worry really about? It's like a horror movie. Yeah. It is a little bit creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is that as we start to fill the tissues of our body, it stretches them out. That's a characteristic in plastic surgery that we use 
when we're doing things like breast reconstruction, like if a woman has breast cancer, they put a balloon under the skin, it blows it up so that you can create more skin to put an implant in because yes. the breast was taken away. Well, aren't those called something? Tissue expanders. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh my God, I, filler acts like that? Yes, it does. So <laughs> when you inflate the tissues, you're stretching the skin out. It's just like gaining weight or being pregnant. So when you gain a lot of weight, you stretch the skin out sure. and then when you lose it, the skin sags more. <gasps> Do you see people with like floppy lips once their filler that, is like yeah, wearing what out? happens is the lip gets stretched out and it oh. hangs over the upper teeth. So people oh. have too much filler in the lip. If oh it goes gosh. away, now they stretch it out. It hangs more. So people have too much filler in their cheeks. As the filler dissipates, their face sags more. But then they see it sagging and then the natural response is to go get more filler because the concern is, is I don't want surgery but I don't want to live with my face looking droopy. So they continue to put more and more filler. So what they're doing is they're stretching out their tissues at a more rapid rate than as than if they did anything at all. It's a cycle. Yeah. So filler I do a ton. Fatigue. Yeah. I do a ton of people's facelifts in their mid forties to late forties, not because they look so old, but because they've been engaging fillers excessively for too long. So That's now so they have no option but to do something like a mini facelift at a younger age. Whereas if they didn't do anything. As aggressive, not not do any fillers at all. Fillers are good tools. All these things are like tools in your tool belt. Yeah. As you know, it's very cliche to say, but too much of a good thing is not good for you. Mm -hmm. Everything in moderation, doctors who are going to have your back and do things appropriately at the right time versus people who are out there who are profiteering lots of med spas and places who don't have good medical supervision by good dermatologists or plastic surgeons will be more than ha happy to empty more vials of filler into your face because they make more dough, right? Right. Because right. you pay per vial. So and if that, I can get you to do six vials, I made six times the amount of money than if I just put one vial in. And that aesthetic that, um, you know, you said calling the West Coast aesthetic, yeah. I see people here in New York who yeah. have that, you know, like just like you said, the West Coast doctors, some of them are New York-y or East Coast. The New York New York area, I see plenty of girls with the big cheeks yeah. and the little, you know, chin. It's like a look. I, I agree, and I don't think that it's pretty, and I think it's archetypal, and I think it looks, it looks like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, in doesn't not it? Good way. Yeah. yeah, not in a good way. Um, you know, because it's cute when it's like got a little nose on it and whiskers, but it's not good when those <laughs> things aren't there. everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara.
summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honeylove, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honeylove came along. Honeylove's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honeylove products make you look good and feel good, whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence. Honeylove is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. Okay, everyone... I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's good. Joanna Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lotties in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. You mentioned the, a mini facelift, but like first before I ask you about facelifts, what's the youngest person you've done a facelift on? Yeah, I've done plenty of people in their mid to late 30s who have over-engaged fillers at a very young age. And so age. it's usually because of that, not because they were sagging at that age. No. Or, wow. No, no, people don't sag at that age routinely. But if you've been doing fillers from your mid-20s, 
if say you didn't like your cheekbones and you just wanted higher cheekbones and you just kind of went for it, you went for it a little too much and for too many years. Yeah. If you started doing that at 25, by the time you're 35, all that filler not only stretch your titches out, it weighs your face down. Fillers have weight. They don't defy gravity. They like strapping two weights on your face. Oh so over God. a decade oh having God, too much filler. Again. Oh, this is again. <laughs> no. But again, here's the thing. Using the right amounts and doing them at the right time for the okay. right reasons will protect you. Doing it excessively and doing it too much too quickly will cause problems. So if it's time, not maybe because of filler fatigue or maybe because you've done your work and your homework and you've consulted and you're really ready for, say, some type of facelift, what can people expect these days? Because I think we all think like, oh my God, you're going to be bloody and gross and swollen for eight weeks and sure. you're going to have scars behind your ears and everybody's yeah. going to know. Sure. What, what does it entail these days? Yeah, so that's definitely true for older style approaches to facelifting, which a lot of surgeons still do. So people do wind up, and I do lots of revision work, with large, long incisions that are hard to hide and that people will take forever to recover. So then there are, there are newer techniques. So the techniques we use today, they usually use an incision that's much more hidden. It's literally about one-third or 70, you know, Seventy percent less and shorter in length than a traditional facelift incision. We have better technology. Where is it? It goes inside this little thing called the tragus. So in front of our ear canal, mm-hmm. there's this little piece of cartilage that pokes out. That, mm-hmm. You know, some people get their tragus. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you make an incision inside that thing, not on the outside. So the incision's hidden. It goes around the earlobe wow. onto the back of the ear. So it's like this weird serpiginous S kind of shape. So Interesting. You can't, so you can't see it. And we go down with telescopes. And we don't. What I don't do is I don't go under the skin layer. I go straight from the incision under the muscle layer. The reason why is is if you're under the skin and you lift then what happens is the skin looks very tight or pulled. Right. If you go under the deeper layer of the face, this is called a deep plane facelift. It deep makes plane. Deep, deep, deep plane. plane. When's yeah. the last time you did this? I did two of them today. Like yeah. a couple hours ago, you were digging around in someone's head. I don't dig. <laughs> I, uh, I artistically... Our producer's like out there like, oh my God. What is she I like? never dig. I gently separate the tissues and lift them. But this sounds more invasive than, say, the old technique, is it? No, it isn't. How long does it take to heal? So, and this is funny, so I'll shout somebody out here. I just did a, uh, a facelift on somebody. Her, she's the, uh, she, she put it on her story on Instagram. She's called the eyebrow doctor. Mm-hmm. And she chronicled her recovery over one week. After a week, she was back at work with essentially no bruising or swelling. What I, this technique, it, what it does is, is it doesn't disrupt the blood supply to the face. So the face heals very quickly. And what we often do is, is we use what's called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So I work with a couple of hyperbaric oxygen chambers. It sounds kind of futuristic. Michael yeah. Jackson, yes, used to sleep in one in his home many years ago. Is it cold? It's not cold at all. It's just a, you sit in, it's like a big cylindrical tube that's clear, like glass. So it's not like being in an MRI. It's big. You can see through it. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they put oxygen under high pressure, which makes the bruising, the swelling, and the healing happen at three times the rate oh. it would normally. You do your surgery within one of those? Or no, you put them I in do it the afterwards? surgery before and add immediately after the surgery, you get hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments. And that really, so that's like better than any Arnica patch ever. Oh, yeah, we, we do that too, but this is like Arnica on steroids. Okay. Oh, no wonder so I have tons and tons and tons of patients who don't have time to recover. They're on television, they're celebrities, they're models, they're people who are better. Can you tell us some of them? Of course I can. We have NDAs oh, with people. Fine. You know, nobody wants to acknowledge the fact. See, this is the fine. thing. Celebrities who look unbelievable, who remain nameless, and you just see them and you just like, 
you just smile from ear to ear because you're like, they just look amazing. Wait, those can, people have had work. Ha, can you people tell in their people in their late forties, early fifties who are iconic and just look like they don't age? They're not aging because they've had help. Okay, Jennifer, and that, that makes me feel. I'm not saying feel, a word about that. that. You have not commented on a single celebrity. Yes. But let's just let's set the record straight. I don't want them coming for your license because people need their uh, facelifts. <laughs> but can but, you tell watching those people walk by because you're an expert? Can I That's tell? That they, if they've had the work done? Yeah. I mean, walking, if I was in their presence, I absolutely could. But you have to understand something. A lot of the images we see of those people, there's very few of those images that are not retouched. True, true. You know, so when fair. you look at their social media and you look at what's being put out there, it's been you know face-tuned like everybody else's. I, so. have, I have to say, I feel I'm really happy that you said the thing about like, you know, if you see someone who looks amazing, like blow away in their late 40s plus, and maybe even help. before, you know, I think we all think, you know, it's it's avocados and diet and yeah, juice. It's, it's, yeah, I'll call it what I call it, horseshit. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that everybody, and, I, and it's interesting, I actually instruct my patients because everybody has this fear that people are going to find out. Now, if you don't have any stigmata of surgery and you don't look weird or pulled or strange, people just look at you like confused. Because when you walk into work after a great procedure and you look seamless and you look youthful, people subscribe to, you know, oh my God, you had a great vacation. And if they dig further, people say, what are you doing? Your skin looks amazing. I tell people to say things like, you know what? I'm on a super, I'm on this antioxidant diet. You I've been are using... perpetuating this myth though that we yeah, all but... feel inferior because we don't age like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, and, but, but here's the you thing. Know... Unfortunately, we live in a very judgmental society. And unfortunately, revealing that you've had surgery, even though it may not look like plastic surgery, can be very detrimental to people. It can affect their careers. It affects their personal relationships. I have to tell you that I have people who their best friends, they've lost best friends. They don't talk to their family members anymore because people have very strong judgments about plastic surgery. So even if you look normal... It can really disrupt people's lives. Wait, can you talk a little bit more about that? That we weren't going to ask like, you about that, but I'm I'm really curious because I, yeah, you I know, you're you're seeing you're seeing clients, not clients, patients who are in probably a world where this is not crazy because you are at the top of the. It the costs pile. a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but nobody. But but the thing is, is though, people don't like people. This is this is something I say all the time. Our friends and our family member and the people that are confidants want us to be okay, but they don't want us to be great. <laughs> and I'm not, oh, you know, and it's unfortunate, God, but it's human nature. I don't think that people are evil, but it's very hard for people when they see other people around them that they're their peers that are excelling, that they're excelling in their fitness or they're excelling in their appearance, they're excelling in their financial aspects of their life. People don't like outliers. People want us, they feel, it makes us feel inferior. It makes us feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. So if you give people the understanding of why that's the case and if it's related to plastic surgery, people love to out people. Oh, you know, Janie looks fantastic. The reason why is because she had a goddamn facelift. You know, and then what <laughs> well, happens Janie is... Well, Janie should be like, that's right, I do. And I, don't I look good? And there are some people who have that bravado and have that personal power to do that. But there are a lot of people who will, will unfortunately feel very, very violated Aww. and feel very sad and then really unfortunately will even like wish they never told anybody that they had it done in, in the face of looking fantastic normal natural and beautiful so my suggestion is to most people is that it's better something that you keep to yourself because I've seen how it can really affect people in a very negative way now not the way they look obviously but the way that other people deal with that information and it's sad that it is that way but that has been my experience and I have done 
literally over 3,000 facelifts. So I've been down this road with so many people. So you see patterns of behavior. So for me, it's kind of silly, just like I talk people out of surgery. You know, it would be really beneficial for me to tell everybody to scream from the hills that I did their surgery. (laughs) But I I usually tell patients that, you know, unless they have a strong opinion about it, that they should see how things are going and kind of keep it close to their chest. Obviously, the spouse will know if they have a spouse, right? Often, but I got to tell you, I've done plenty of plastic surgeries on women who don't tell their husbands. And I've done surgery on on physicians' wives and they wait for their husbands to go away to a medical convention for a week or two. Their husbands come back, often surgeons, and they don't tell them. Wait, you did surgery on another plastic surgeon's wife? Many. (laughs) But but, but here's the thing. A lot of the plastic surgeons bring me their wives because they want me to do this, their wife surgery, because I'm a specialist in facelifting. But then other ones... They don't. They don't want their husband to do it. So then I do it. But by the time, have you ever done a husband whose wife is a plastic surgeon? I've done one. Interesting. So, but that was from that was a. Is because she didn't want to operate on her husband. No, it's she actually brought me. She brought me her husband. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a really funny story. So here's this is this is really cute. So I was lecturing in Singapore at a meeting teaching facelifting and I met uh, a plastic surgeon from Germany and he says, you know, he saw me do uh, life surgery and, uh, and all this stuff and he says, you know, I want you to do my wife's facelift. So he brought his wife to have me do her, her facelift. This is probably about two months ago and I did her facelift and he scrubbed for the surgery, which I do all the time. I, I have no problems with another plastic surgeon watching me do the procedure and assisting me. You know, they just, you know, hold things while I'm working. Uh, I did his wife's facelift and she looked literally like 20 years younger right there. She was in her early 50s. He was in his late 50s. And as soon as she was wheeled out, he walked up and pulled me aside and he says, she looks amazing. She looks gorgeous. He goes, I want mine tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> did you I, do it? So the next morning, I came in at 4.30 in the morning. I put him before everybody else. I did his facelift. And then they, they left at a week. They got their hyperbaric oxygen treatments. They look stunning. And we needed to fill out paperwork for them. Because in the EU, they have facial recognition. And even though they look like themselves, they arguably look 20 years younger. So I had to get some extra paperwork filled out so they can, you know, they were concerned that they were going to be held at the border and not be able to go back in because they didn't look, you know, they'd look, they'd be like, how could you be a 58-year-old man? You look like you're 38 years old. That's some mission impossible shit right there. It's pretty funny. But I have a million stories like that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You need to write a second book with just all your funny stories. Yeah, I'm going to get there. But I think I'm going to write that closer to the end of my career. (laughs) Smart, smart. (laughs) Um, So, okay, we've talked about a lot of your patients. Have you ever turned away some patients? Constantly, every day. And is it because they want crazy, you know, overly filled everything? Well, there's different reasons. One of the number one reasons why I turn people away is because they're not at a good phase in their life to think about plastic surgery. Mm. So, you know, people... Psychologically? Yes. Okay. So, and that doesn't mean they're cuckoo. What Mm -hmm. it means is that lots of times when people are going through big changes in their life... They want to get some plastic surgery done because they think it's going to improve the situation they're in. So often, you know, if people lose a job or they feel like, you know, they're aging and their career has been affected, they want to run in and get a facelift. Or if somebody, you know, unfortunately is in the middle of a divorce Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, they, they, so they're not, they don't have the uh, emotional preparedness 
to be able to engage. It's a very stressful time. And people make a lot of very snap judgments during those times mm. that probably may they not be... bangs in, yeah. when they shouldn't have <laughs> bangs. bangs. Like all these things. You know, it's like, the, what do people do often when they first break up? The first thing they do is they get a haircut. Right? Mm-hmm. And, it's and like, so you find- I'm going to... But this is the thing. Yeah. This is not a haircut. The hair doesn't grow back. Yeah. So, you know, making those kinds of snap judgments and decisions during a time of emotional turmoil mm-hmm. is usually not in the person's best interest. So yeah. I'll tell people that and I will turn them away. That's one of the most common reasons. But other than that, it's, it has to do with not being the right time or the right procedure. So just because somebody wants something doesn't mean they should have it. So somebody who's coming in for a facelift prematurely, doing surgery before it's necessary, doing anything when it's unnecessary will make things look less natural. So doing a facelift on somebody who really doesn't have anything to treat can do nothing but make them look distorted. I, I love how this interview is turning into why not to go to Dr. Chacono yeah. because my next question is sort of along those lines. How do we stay out of your office then? Like, how do we stay looking young if we don't want to get surgery till later or get injectables till later? Yeah. Well, or at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or at all. Well, I mean, the first thing. Or we can't afford to do any of this. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a lot of people. Yeah. Well, of course it is. Well, the first thing is, is that, you know, I, this is the unfortunate truth. You know, we can all say, let's all feel comfortable with our aging appearance. And just like, you know, embrace it, you know, be joyful about your aging. And it is a privilege to age, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not everybody lives forever. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm getting to be a little bit older now. And what I find is that there's so many people that I went to college with, they're my frat brothers I went to med school with, or they were contemporaries who aren't here anymore. So it is a gift to be able to age. But that doesn't mean we want to look older. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're in a very high-pressure situation now because we have these high-resolution digital cameras. <laughs> we know what we look like all the time. Our images get posted all over social media. You know, I just had a book launch party at Amaranth on Tuesday. And, you know, we had a photographer there and I saw some very unflattering pictures from my profile <laughs> with my of neck yourself? down signing a Absolutely. I'm like, oh my God, I need a neck lift. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah, because my head was down. I was signing a book and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm a plastic surgeon. I can't be walking (laughs) around like this. But we are very hyper aware of our appearance and it is harder to age today than it was 30 years ago. But what can we do? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry, No, it is harder to age. I was thinking about asking this, but I was like, maybe this is just me like with a leading question or projecting. Don't you feel like, I don't know what you meant, but I feel like the culture is way more like youth oriented or maybe just because I'm getting older. Well, well, of course it is because, you know, from my perspective, 30 years ago, if you picked up a Vogue, Cosmo, or L, right, Mm -hmm. and you looked at the cover, you would never see somebody who's 17 years old gracing the cover. Agree. But today... It's almost, it, it, it can never be young enough. There's going to be babies on the yeah. covers of the I, yeah, I mean, I mean, if we look at the, the, the progression, you know, supermodels were like in their late 20s and early 30s That's years ago. Mm-hmm. And today they're like 16, 17 years old. Yeah, they looked more, I know it was you know, kind of the almost, styling too, but like yeah. more like women, you know, and now it's like... Yeah, they're, 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 they don't look like women. They look like kids, you mm-hmm. know? And they are kids, but we have this obsession with youth to the point where we're putting 17-year-olds out there in a hypersexual way, which is a little bit weird. I mean, I'm a dad, I have four kids, you know, and thinking about my daughter at 17 years old, you know, having it all out there on display, it mm-hmm. freaks me out a little bit. I don't know that it's healthy for our youth. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it raises the bar for what people see as being the archetype of what we aspire to. And I don't think that's fair or good, but it's something that we're all dealing with. And I think that we have to be, as a society, a little bit more cognizant of that and be a little bit more regulatory and understand how it affects women, how it affects men, and how it affects how 
we interact with each other because it does. So, but save all that stuff. And then, you know, that's like, you know, that's a, that's, you know, like a, those are big ideas and it's really wonderful to talk about. But, you know, unfortunately, youth and sex sells and that's what people put out there. Unfortunately, the more people click and the more people engage that kind of content, the more we feed it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as an industry. Yeah. Jen and, it, and I certainly know that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to try to minimize how much you're aging, the most important things are obvious, I think. Um, you know, and these are things you will read over and over and over again. Sun exposure is a disaster. I think that we're doing a lot better than we ever did with that. I think that most people, men and women, would never go and do what I did when I was growing up, which is I used to put like baby oil and iodine on and I used to fry my skin or put like Copper Tone 2 on. I mean, I'm dating myself here, but putting on Copper Tone 4 was like... Oh my God! How do you do that now today? I remember are, SPF two. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, like, right. can you imagine? Do they even make this stuff I don't, anymore? I remember my yeah. friends like yeah. I only like eight, and that was not that long ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, now people use better sunblocks. Every and I do take care of a lot of young clients, you know, who come in and they're coming in for skincare and other things that are engaged in that. So you have to protect your skin. You should be using Retin A as part of your regimen or some kind of retinol because that builds up the collagen and maintains the collagen layers of your skin. Sunblock and some form of vitamin A derivative, retinol or retin A, will pay huge dividends for you. Do you use one? Yeah, of course I do. Like a prescription one? Yeah, I use Retin-A. The Retin-A is the prescriptive type. So as you get older, you need something a little bit stronger. But Retinol, which is readily available over the counter in many different products and preparations, is a wonderful way to be able to maintain your skin. So those are like pretty inexpensive and attainable ways of doing this. Not that Retinol is cheap, but it's definitely not the same as going to a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon and getting more prescriptive medications. So you do those things and that'll pay huge dividends. I think one once you get past that, you know, obviously, we don't want to gain and lose too much weight as we stretch our tissues out with that tissue expansion, mm. maintaining your weight appropriately and avoiding, you know, toxic foods. And, you know, this is this is the truth. Gluten sucks. It tastes wonderful. It's toxic to our bodies. You toxic? Know, those are strong words from a doctor. Yeah, they are, though. You know, and, you know, and this is the thing. It's not like I don't like a bowl of pasta every once in a while. Is that, are you saying everybody? It's toxic to everybody? Well, toxic, what, what I mean by toxic is... I love a carb. Yeah, yeah, I love carbs. And, you know, I, I it's harder and harder for me to eat them because as I eat them, I get bigger and bigger and I got to run more and more to burn them off. <laughs> but the truth is, is that there's lots of inflammatory properties to food, you know. And to simple sugars. Of course, to yeah. simple sh- sugars and processed carbs. And, you know, it tastes really, really good. But you know what? There's a lot of truth. If you just eat good things, and we all know what to do. We learned this in grade school. What were you supposed to eat? do? Eat fruits and vegetables and good produce. You know, you eat, mm-hmm. you know, lean meats. I mean, everybody knows what to do. It just don't taste so good. <laughs> yeah. So the more alcohol we drink, the more tobacco we smoke and all those things. And you know what? You can't be you can't be an angel all the time, but trying to minimize those things that definitely age your tissues and age your skin. There's no question that eating a lot of processed food and sugar it definitely puts a toll on your skin. Any dermatologist will tell Just you. That. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought Jen was looking no, at me like mm, no, you're, we you're, both you're are the worst. sheepish. Right now, we are both shrinking in our seats, yeah. like but that. Here, I was trying to but hide. Here's the thing. Jen, you're, you no, do, Jen's a good yeah, eater. It, 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 I eat a lot of like little, uh, I like little treats. I have pasta like four nights a week. Me, I love. me too. Me yeah, too. But here, here's I the think thing. That was a lot. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect all the time, but trying to be cognizant of these things okay. and minimizing your exposure to them will definitely do better for you over the long haul, right, over decades of your life. But Pharaoh, but save Pharaoh. those things. I think Botox... Ancient grains. <laughs> yes, ancient grains. I like those yes. too. But Botox is definitely something... 
that helps as you start to age and usually in the early 30s and beyond because you start to get folds He literally is like, gluten is toxic, but put this toxin <laughs> in your face. Yeah, un- unfortunately, because if you keep... The best way to think about your skin and Botox is think about wearing a leather coat. It's brand new. It's, the leather is silky and smooth. But as you start to wear it and you look at the elbows where it folds over and over again, mm-hmm. you fold the leather over and over again, you start to get cracks and wrinkles. So people who engage Botox, not when they're 21 years old, but as they start to see lines and wrinkles, it will prevent you from getting more characteristic lines in the upper third of the face, the forehead, the areas around the eyes, the crow's feet. If you maintain that, you don't have to do Botox all the time, but even if you do it once a year to minimize how much those muscles flex will stop you from getting more wrinkles in your skin. So those are the main things that I think you do in the early phases of your life. Obviously, you continue to age. You put a little filler in. It is supportive, but you don't overdo it. You know, and then you late nature take its course. You've given us a lot of advice. Too much. As you enter. (laughs) No, no, no. We have to learn all of it. Okay, before you go, one last question. What's in your medicine cabinet right now? What do you use on your face? So I use I use the I use uh, 0.05 uh, tretinoin, which mm-hmm. is Retin A. I use this thing. It's uh, it's SkinCeuticals. It's vitamin C E ferulic. I love it. So I put that on my skin every day. Um, at nighttime, if I'm feeling dry, I, you know, this is going to be very, uh, you know. It, I mean, I don't, I don't want to suggest that you need to use such a fancy moisturizer, but I have La Mer cream that I put I on. I knew it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that, it, you know, most of these moisturizers, they're very equivalent, but there's something about the silky feel of that stuff. And it's, and <laughs> he it's just fragrance. likes his La Mer. Yeah. And I don't put it on all the time, but the thing, especially during the winter time, you know, when you're in New York and it's winter, you get your skin gets very dry and cracked. And but you can use something as simple as Cetaphil. Cetaphil moisturizer is wonderful. It's very inexpensive, and it's something that's available at every at every pharmacy. So the main things you want to do is you want to exfoliate your skin. You want to support it with some kind of a vitamin A derivative. I use Retin A. You can use Retinol, and I think you used to use some kind of antioxidant. The skin, the vitamin C, uh, you know, vitamin C E ferulic from SkinCeuticals is one of my favorite. But there are multiple preparations of these kinds of things. Something that's antioxidant protective, something to build the collagen layers, and something to moisturize the skin, and you're great. And you, you, you're great. Oh my God. You, you should be on TV. That was <laughs> so, so funny. He has. He's been on like the Today yeah. Show and stuff. Yeah. I used to have my own TV show. You know that? What? Well, it was, it was, I do a lot of charitable surgery, you know, yes. so, I, so I do a lot of pro bono surgery on children, but I also do um, reconstructive surgery on women and children who are victims of domestic violence. That so, is so fantastic. Uh, yeah. That you do so that. I, so I had a TV show. Thank you. And on uh, Discovery Channel. And this was probably, my God, probably 2008, 2009. It was only one, one, um, you know, one, one season that we did it. You know, and what I did was, is I, and I do a lot of this work, but, you know, one of my friends was a, uh, you know, TV producer and he's like, you do this great work. You know, we should do a TV show about it. So then I, you know, every episode I would do two people who had a story and unfortunately mm-hmm. had facial disfigurement from domestic violence. Oh, wow. And we did that. And it was a very interesting process to be in a TV show, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather be doing the work. Yeah. And one of my good friends, and this is funny, um, one of my good friends is... um, Dr. Paul Nassif was on Botched. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Dr. Paul Nassif, you know, he's, you know, we're, we're very close. And he's, you know, the amount of time that you spend, and I knew I did it for one season... You know, doing a television show, it actually makes it very difficult to be a surgeon and take care of your patients. So stick you know, to what I, you're good at. You do. You, Dr. Nassif is a great surgeon, and he's also uh, 
he he's also really great on TV. I love watching him. He is funny, but yeah, yeah I'm I'm lucky that we have you in the studio today. And thank you so much for all of the. Thank you. I'm going to go yeah. have some pasta. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going, you've given me a lot to no, think about. Food for thought. Also, I hope you're like working in 25 years because you might get a little dingling from me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have four children. I have a lot of people to support in my life. So <laughs> we'll see you in 25 years. years. Yeah, thank you. Wow, well, that's going to be. I'm going to be old. <laughs> you're sharp. You don't want to come to me. I'll send you to one of my guys that I trained. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Jess, I am so glad you picked that interview. And when you picked it and you explained why, I was like, that is it. That's what makes a good podcast interview. It's somebody you'd want to sit next to at like a dinner party. And for me, that's someone who is educating me at the same time they are entertaining me. And I love, I loved it. Loved it. Thank you for, for bringing that back into everybody's feed to this week. I'm so glad you dug it. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to raise a wand? Yes. Oh, do I get to start? Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so I am actually going to raise a wand to a brand that I have fallen in love with all over again. So I actually discovered the brand through a former podcast guest. Okay, it's all like I'm keeping it all on the FM fam today. So Cora Organics, that is former podcast guest Miranda Kerr's brand. Now, before you start thinking, okay, she's a supermodel who like has her own brand, great. Cora Organics is the shit, all right? And I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not a huge cursor. It is amazing. I got really back into Cora when I gave my friend Lucy a couple of Cora products that I had, little extra ones lying around. And then she like, wrote me from like she was on a trip and she was like this is amazing and she's like not a huge beauty person like she's not gonna like she's not someone who asks for product or like loves product and she if she loves something she loves something and she'll like pay for it she is going crazy for Cora so I was like well I have I have Cora I have got some Cora stuff that I I can start using again I like it too you were like why did I give it away yeah 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 I was like wait wait, wait a second I like Cora so I was like you know what? I have Cora products too. So I have quite a few. No, and you're like, Lucy, give it back. <laughs> yes. I know. I know. She's crazy about this face oil. There's a lot of Cora things she's loving. And but what are you I loving? Have, well, I have, I'm crazy about a few things, but one of them that I like, it was like right next to my bed that I started like using again that now is almost empty is the Cora Enriched Body Lotion. It is so good. It smells so spa-like. I rub it all over my body like every single night and I wasn't using body lotion all the time because I'm a lazy cow. It is so fantastic. It's got jojoba oil. Of course, it's organic because that's Miranda. She's very fancy like that. She's all, it's like healthy, organic, yada, yada. Macadamia oils, cocoa, butter, um, noni extract. That's her whole thing. Remember the noni, the noni, the noni? Oh, yeah. We should have replayed her interview. Oh, yes. and her accent was delightful. Uh, she just kept saying noni in no. like that Australian <laughs> accent. And I was like, Give she like was ASMR. She was yeah. incredible. I mean, her face is kind of mesmerizing too. Anyway, she, go on. Yeah, she's like, she's she's absolutely a beautiful person. Um, it's just wonderful. You you massage it in. And I, even my husband said, like, I don't mean to be like too like, like, you know, TMI, but he said like my skin felt really soft and really nice. And I was like, oh, I have to keep using this. Even I, my I, husband said my skin felt soft. That's the no, coolest I just thing like, you've ever yeah, said. Yeah, like I feel like you know, it was really, it made me feel good. So anyway, I love it. And I love that it's in a pump. So you could just like, like a lazy, lazy animal. I just like push it and like rub it on my body when I'm in bed. 
Like it's there's not. Lot, you don't there's need to, a lot of animal metaphors. You're a cow. You like. <laughs> I like it. What else have we got? I'm a goat. When your hooves <laughs> get dry. <laughs> but you know, it's not like a butter. We need to un, to unscrew the top, and then you have to like put your little paw in. I completely know what you're talking about. I think that's yeah, great. That's so what funny. do you have? I, a brand that like in a similar sort of way. It was one of these brands that gets so much hype that I. Got one of the products, and I was like, I know I have to try this, but, you know, you don't go through cleansers that often. I was using another cleanser that was making me break out. I was like, quit that. And I reached for Jordan Samuel Skin. I've been oh. hearing about this guy forever, right? Like, don't all the models love him? Yes. Backst- it was like one of those backstage brands that a couple, maybe two years ago, not even. And then, like, a couple other beauty editors were whispering about it. And it's yeah. just, like, in the know people. So yes. I was like— that, it's the same way that happened with Vintner's Daughter, where I was like against it, against it, against it. And I was like, fine, <laughs> I'll try it. And of course, it was amazing, because there's a reason these word-of-mouth products, like, they're usually really pricey, and they start out with a very clicky type of person who likes it. And I, for, you know, the egalitarian in me wants to not like it for that reason. <laughs> but here I am, praising Jordan Samuel and his lovely The After Show Treatment Cleanser. Oh my gosh, I just realized it, duh. Models, after show, like he does do all the models. So this cleanser is like, if it's so, it's just such a nice experience because it's a gel that morphs into like a creamy oil. Mm. So I feel like I'm getting a little, Eric and I always say when we're eating like a fun snack that requires work, like for example, I'm trying to think of a good example. I don't know, eating shrimp like would be one, but that's a bad one for you. Like let, lettuce rolls. Like, we yeah, have yeah, to, yeah. Like, oh. We call it a, a snacktivity. And I love a snack tivity, <laughs> like when the food is an action. Well, this is like a beauty tivity. Like <gasps> cleansing my face isn't just washing my face. I'm like having a little spa treatment because of like the formula that changes yes. consistencies. And it has a lovely smell, gets off all the makeup. And it's sort of like, oh, I haven't been double cleansing with this because it's sort of, to me, the balm and the foam cleanser sort of in one. It doesn't really foam up, but it's I just like it's lovely. And fine, all you people that told me about Jordan Samuel, you're right. It's great. So I'll put a link on the blog. My favorite thing was when you said that you were against a beauty product. It wasn't just like you were going to pass. You were against. No, because you know me. I'm such like a, I don't know, a, a, an a anarchist. Contra- not a, the word. A contrarian. I don't, a contrarian. I'm not, an, I'm not an, not, you were not like burning down a Sephora. You were <laughs> no, no, no. I just like if everybody else likes it, I want to not like it. But yes, guess what, I you guys? It. With the Jordan Samuel, you can't. You're gonna that bandwagon is going, you're and you're love. getting on it, and we're all getting on it. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see you on Thursday. We got another fun interview, and we'll we'll meet you back here. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll 
know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 